I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson. Welcome to The Backstory. In each episode, we'll be hearing about an experience that has happened to someone that shaped who they are. 30 minutes that remind us that everyone's dealing with something. So we're a documentary podcast. A docupod. Except you made that word up. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're hearing from Cara, who developed trichotillomania when she started at secondary school, an unusual affliction which involves pulling out your own hair. Here is her story. We're going to begin by asking you what we ask everybody, which is to cast your mind back over the whole course of your life and think about the ups and the downs, the peaks and the troughs, mm-hmm. and choose a moment or an event that you would like to talk to us about. I suppose for me it would be school. Okay. Up until secondary school, I'd had a very happy childhood. I went from a very small, very villagey um, primary school to quite a large, quite scary um, secondary school. It was much larger, and people weren't particularly very nice to me okay and so what so you were sort of 11 12 when 11 12 yeah. totally and I mean all through my life I've been exceptionally tall I've always been the tall girl with red hair okay. it's just a feature I'm never gonna get rid of when I went to secondary school that was something people started drawing attention to right on top of my hair and my height I also had really bad eczema that came right. up very badly as a result of people starting to draw attention to my height and my hair so it was like a vicious circle the stress was starting to invade my life. I started really um, feeling quite bad about myself. What also didn't help was the fact that I did have friends, but it was only when I was much older that I realised they probably weren't actually friends. So I had a very subtle influence from people who I thought I was trusting, who actually didn't turn out to be particularly nice. And they pretty much said things over time, which sort of slowly chipped away that sort of self-worth so but by the time you don't yeah, realize that's happening totally and that's the worst it's chipped away enough totally I kind of not I do not wish this in a way but I think if I'd been physically bullied 
there would have been scars, there would have been signs of it. But I think with mental bullying, it can be so subtle and so clever that it can only leave its mark when it's too late. There's nothing quite as brutal as a teenager that that wants to do that to another teenager, is there? My character changed completely. My mum was very concerned. I think back and I feel very sad for my mum because I know how much she must have been suffering but because I sort of was in my own horrible place I didn't really think of the impact it must have been having on her I was feeling pretty bad about myself at the time and that the tricky thing is um I I started using hair pulling as a means of I think coping, I didn't realise it was a problem until it was too late. And when was it too late? Quite a few years later where I, well, I had, especially I started pulling under my arms. That was the first area. And then I think because my problem was so bad, it then moved on to other parts of my body. Mm. And I think I knew I did have a problem when I was starting to do everything to conceal the damage that I'd done, especially on my face, my eyebrows. My eyebrows were particularly bad. Okay. Where, because the problem with hair pulling is, I mean, luckily I never had it on my head. Okay, so that, yeah. so I I assumed that you meant pulling hair from your head. No, but, totally. Ah. Um, it's, it's funny because most people with trichotillomania, most people associate it with hair pulling on their head. Yeah. But for me, it was body hair. That was a blessing and a curse in a way because it's much more easy c- to conceal. Yeah. But the problem was it did it did stretch to my eyebrows and my face and I especially on my legs as well. Nothing was covering the wounds on my legs and that was very concerning. And on my face, there were times I'd go into school and I'd be like, "Oh my god, my acne is so bad." It was getting quite out of hand. The sort of excuses that you have to use to sort of explain away like wounds on your face so by pulling the hair you were actually damaging the skin as well so you were not only it was not only visible in terms of sort of not you know taking the hair out of your eyebrows but also because it was it was damaging the skin yeah totally because hairs have a tendency especially if you keep pulling and pulling them that they're getting grown And because your desire to get hairs out is so strong, you'll do anything to get hair out. And it doesn't matter what devastation you cause to your skin. All you think about at the time when you see a hair in your skin is it has to go. So I would gouge um, at my eyebrows, under my arms, my bikini line, my legs. It was really quite severe. And the most screwed up thing is the fact that you want your skin to be clear, which is such a joke because you end up with the most unclearest skin ever you know trichotillomania is hair pulling yeah and dermatillomania is skin picking okay if you explained it to anyone who didn't have either hair pulling or skin picking what it actually is they'd be like just stop picking your skin stop pulling your hair it's not as simple as that and it's it's very hard there's so much shame around things like trichotillomania and dermatillomania because it makes you feel like you're helpless. What were you getting from this? What was it doing for you? Oh, relief. It was the satisfaction. You know, a lot of things were going very wrong for me. Mm-hmm. And there was this very simple thing I could do that could be right. Was it soothing? A, yeah, very soothing. And, you know, you pull out a hair, it's gone. You've done something. Right. You've achieved something. And it's something maybe to take your mind off what's actually going on around you there was a lot of stress 
at school, it was really unpleasant for me. And I had this little source of comfort where I was able to sort of burrow away in a bathroom because mm. you never do that in front of people. Mm. You want to be as solitary as humanly possible. Okay. You want to be in like a little cave, you know, with a bright light so you can actually see what you're doing. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, very important. <laughs> we don't like darkness. We want bright light. Okay. Give it, cave I want the good lighting. I need yeah. to see the hairs. Okay. Um, weirdly, I, they do call it a sort of compulsive behavior. Yeah. I would call it a form of self-harm. I think it probably follows the same psyche to an extent one situation where I was at a friend's house and I just had to pick and went upstairs and I was desperate and I was looking everywhere in this bathroom for some tweezers and I just grabbed these really dirty tweezers did not care about washing them and I just was like there was this one particular hair I tried to get out of my fingers couldn't do it so I had to resort to these sweet and I pulled it it was like for that one moment I can't describe it's like the most ultimate relief yeah did you ever feel worried about what you were doing oh definitely it was like a drug I just had to keep going and I was so ashamed of what I was doing I never wanted to seek help my mum was quite desperate but so your mum knew yeah my mum my mum knew partly um what I was doing I don't think she knew the extent of it looking back as an adult I see what my mum must have gone through and it must have been awful and it must have been confusing for both of you it's not something that we hear much about I don't know did you feel like you were the only person totally. in the world that was doing this oh yeah I felt absolutely I just I, I felt really dirty I felt I mean I f- didn't feel very pretty at the time but having trick really was not a good layer um, to how I was feeling about myself well, at what point did you start to seek help did you did did your mum kind of take you along to the doctor? Did you, I don't know, what happened there? Horribly, I've never actually seeked help for it, which is something I bitterly regret. Okay. I wish I'd, I mean, hindsight's very annoying and pointless and one of those silly things in life. But I mean, I wish more than anything I had this head on in my sort of 12-year-old body and i just yeah. say, please go to the doctor. Cara didn't go to the doctor about her trichotillomania, but throughout these years, she had been receiving treatment for eczema, which was aggravated by stress. Despite the concerns of her mum, she'd been prescribed an increasing dose of topical steroids, but her eczema continued to get worse. In desperation, she looked online and found information about topical steroid dependency and a condition called red skin syndrome, which encouraged her to stop using the steroids altogether. It's important to note that the science is sketchy and there's disagreement amongst the medical community. So whatever you do, don't base any of your own decisions on this. Make sure you get proper advice. But to go back to Cara, she made her mind up that this was something she could do. And so she did. Something that's very good and very bad about me is I'm exceptionally stubborn. So if I've made up my mind in relationships where I'm like, I'm ending it, I'm like, yeah, I'm ending it. Okay. Stubborn's <laughs> good. I like Goodbye. stubborn. <laughs> yeah, no, stubborn has been, yes, a blessing and a curse. But <laughs> yeah, no, um, I definitely, um, I knew I was never using them again. And thankfully, that answer was the best decision of my entire life. I'm kind of really struck that you figured out what you wanted to do and you went with it. You kind of trusted totally. your judgment on that. Yeah. And then the impact on your trichotillomania, what was, what was the impact there? I don't think I was even pulling, but something switched in my mind where I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to pull. I'm not going to pick. 
writing has always been very cathartic and I decided I was actually going to write down sort of how I was feeling. It turned out to be the most extraordinary seven weeks of my life where I think I finally battled other demons because I was, it was almost as if I was in a seven week therapy because I was talking to myself. I was talking to like, it was like the blank pages were like the best therapist who was just listening. And at the end of seven weeks, I, I was like, I, I had clear skin. I'd spent a lot of time through my life not feeling very pretty, mm. um, never having clear skin, either from the eczema, red skin syndrome, yeah. or trichotillomania. Yeah. But for the first time, I'd not only recovered from eczema and red skin syndrome, but I had no like marks on my body, yeah. no scabs. Because I'd spent my life perpetually waiting for scabs to heal. I mean, I've had still a lot of ups and downs but I can safely say that I it's a completely different condition than it was and I don't re I I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Don't suffer with dermatillomania anymore. That's gone. Wow. That's just not a thing. Is and it a temptation? Yeah. No. Is it, no. I've had like tiny sort of little demons in my head with the hair pulling but it's I don't really do it anymore I think people have got to realize that it is a mental journey mm. that you've got to go on yourself and maybe realize that you don't have to do it and it's not going to hurt you if you leave a hair where it is and you can overcome your mind it is possible it's exceptionally hard but there is there is light Here's to stubbornness. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> oh, so I do love it when you choose these subjects, Susie, and I can't even pronounce them. What was that? <laughs> Trichotillomania. Oh, trichotillomania. Keep up, love. If you'd like to find out more about Cara's story, you can read her book by Trigger Publishing. It's called Every Trick in the Book. Oh, very uh -huh. clever. Trick spelt T-R-I-C-H. And we'll put the link in our show notes. Uh, so I wonder how many listeners knew that was a thing. Um, I must say, I had actually heard about it before, even though I can't say it. Um, because when I was at university, a friend, or I guess sort of more of a friend of a friend had it. Okay. She like used to pull the hair out of her head. Yeah, I um, think it's one of those things that as soon as you start talking about it, somebody knows someone else who's suffered, haven't they? It's so common. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I have heard about it a bit more recently. Um, and yeah, anyway, so my friend, she she like she used to wear a hairband, you know, one of those sort of thick like kind of um, yeah. fabric hairbands at the front of her hair. So I think she used to pull the front of her hair out, sort of thing. Right. Um, and I, I think she was wearing that like for a few years. And then I remember like we had a holiday and we came back for a new term at uni university. She was wearing a wig. Um, and it was actually quite a shock because Did she, she... say anything about it? Did anyone No, like, no ask? one. No, no, no. You don't... No, right. no one should the big... It was quite a shock because she never spoke about it. And so we were just sort of like, uh, you know, of course, you know, as you do, like, she's wearing a wig. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, it was kind of a pity in a way. I think it might have been better if she just sort of, but it's not easy, is it, to do these things? Yeah, but she And I, I sort of imagined afterwards, because I knew she was dating quite a lot after university and meeting a lot of people. And so I always wondered, when does she bring mm, it up about the wig? Because, I mean, I don't know, then you kind of, you go to bed with somebody, yeah. like, um, do you mention the wig? Do they mention the wig? Like, Do you keep it on? Do you keep it on or do you take it off? I don't know. I honestly, well, answers on a postcard. Wow, hey. yeah, so it's quite interesting. Which brings me on to that guy out of First Dates. Did you see it? If it's First Dates, then yes, I definitely did. Yeah, 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 yeah. your favourite program. That's like asking me whether I saw something on Dragon's Den. On Dragon's Den. <laughs> yeah. Of course I bloody did. Anyway, this guy on First Dates, he was wearing a wig, wasn't I he? I saw, I did, I saw him. But what was amazing was it looked so good. It looked completely realistic. It did, didn't it? And I mean, I, I thought he was very brave, actually, because he showed... The, the girl that he was with, he showed her a picture of himself without it, didn't he? Yeah, that's And right, it yeah. really did make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and actually, like, because he was so upfront about it, it wasn't, didn't seem to be much of a, t- I don't can't remember what happened He kind of took the ball by the horns yeah, and he was just kind of like, got you know, that one wig, out of the way. Like, so yeah. Do. Like, and she was like, I think she said to him, oh, when does it, when do we take, you know, when do you take it <laughs> off or something? He was like, well, it's up to you or something like that. So yeah, that's a very funny. good way of handling it. Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. And it's, if you can be upfront about these things, it's so much better, isn't it? If you can be honest about stuff, because some people just, like, it's okay to talk about things and then you can have like a really tricky affliction, but if you can chat about it happily, then it sort of instantly dispels a myth and everyone sort of loves you for it, don't they? Yeah. As long as you're not sort of obsessed or boring about it. <laughs> I think it helps if you kind of take the lead, you know, because then yeah. other people are just wondering what to do. And I think if you take the lead, that that helps. But, you know, we can offer our service as a way of bringing something up. So <laughs> there was Ali Golds, if you remember, in series two, who had a really amazing backstory. And she said that she'd play the podcast to future loves. And then if they were still interested after that, then they could go on a date. So I yeah, thought that she was quite... selecting like, yeah, mechanism. Yeah, nice, nice little sideline for to. us, maybe. So, you know, if you're in the market for that, get in touch. Yeah. So Cara was obviously affected by her teenage years more than most, I guess it's true to say. And yeah. By the sound of it, I don't know what makes some people resilient and others not so much. But Susie, did you have any crushing moments in your teenage years? Oh God, I think we all had crushing moments in our teenage years. There was one, I mean, it wasn't absolutely dreadful, but there was one at school with this girl, I won't name her, um, but she was very tall. She knows who she is. She knows who she is. She was very glamorous and suffice to say I was not very glamorous. I never wore makeup and you know, my first my first disco I had to wear a burgundy pinafore corduroy dress that my mum had made for me that, that I think was you've how, mentioned that I have mentioned it before we, it's deeply <laughs> really, really seriously <laughs> scarred by that bloody dress but oh. anyway this girl we were in the loose and she was putting on makeup and I remember making some comments about how I didn't wear makeup and she just glanced at me sideways and said yeah it shows and I felt completely <laughs> crushed by that um, how about you well yeah I can think I can remember like a um I can remember standing on some playing fields and like we were looking across this really like good looking guy and, and I was with a close friend but then there was this other girl there and and I said something like oh god he's so good looking and like and she was like she just turned to me she was like she he's it's, it's I think she said something like don't even look he's so out of your league oh, no. I was like oh. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Oh my God. There's just, um, not, yeah, as I said to Cara, you know, there's nothing as harsh as a teenager really is there. 
No. Prob- it, yeah. I mean, it's a hard time, isn't it? It is, it's, yeah. It's peppered with insults. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, ironically, that Cara is just actually, I've seen the photo that you took of the two of you, and mm-hmm. she is stunning, isn't she? She is, Susie, yeah. you had to sort of stand on a step just to take your head to the same shot, didn't you? <laughs> so tall <laughs> I did I'm actually standing on a big step next to her and I think she's still leaning down um which you know I, well anyway less said about my height the better but but obviously just her goes red to hair and tallness was an yeah. issue as a teenager yeah and how different is that is it now I guess we all want to fit in but we also want to be kind of unique don't we I think I find it much easier these days but yeah yeah I mean generally care less about everything exactly. but but yeah I think do you think that's still going on? You know, we've got um, we've got someone at the school gates, haven't we, Claire? Who I would say is a bit of a fashion guru for all of us. Exactly. We all maybe, yeah, we all look up to her. Yeah, try and sort of emulate her in our own little ways. You got your first pair of camo trousers with outside zips, didn't you, last week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you're rocking the look. Yeah, I'm rocking the look. Yeah. Uh, um, well, copying basically. <laughs> I remember looking across and thinking, yeah, the few people at school, and I was like, "Uh, I don't know about external zips. And, you know, sort of a year later, and there I am. There you are. My camo trousers and my external zips. I'm like, I know. Yeah, I've conformed. I know. See, it's easy, isn't it, to look back on those teenage years and just think, oh, my God. But actually, we're still doing it We're still doing it. It's it's things that you see every day. It's amazing the influence they have, sort of thing, like... Yeah, I mean, obviously, only if you really like them, but it's just, yeah, things that you kind of, and you're like, oh, that looks really cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, you just become more and more like that person, don't you? It's but just, just that balance between wanting to fit in and wanting to feel unique. Yeah. And also how there are, you know, there are the tribes. There and... are lines that I draw, obviously. Are there? What yeah. are your lines? Well, not becoming too country. Like, oh. And I've told the others about this because they, they, you know, they... You wear the barber. Well, yeah, I did buy a barber did when you? I moved up here because nice. I felt like I wasn't going to fit in with that one. But I, like, I don't, I won't buy those, well, actually I say this, probably a year's time I'll have them, but those leather kind of, tr- sort of really kind of country trousers and sort of anything in tweed or <laughs> like country-ish, then I'm just like, no. Whereas the others, like, they're, they'll, they'll rock that look as well kind of thing. Well, I've told you that my oldest daughter has said many times that she'll disown me if I buy anything from Jules. So she should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even when it's on yeah. the sale. Yeah, in the sale, I can't bring myself to buy anything. Okay, so what's our podcast recommendation this week, Susie? Our podcast recommendation, one that was passed on to us, is In the Dark, which is, it's a true crime one, so kind of picking up on our conversation last week about true crime. This is the story of Jacob Wetterling, the investigation into his disappearance. We've both had to listen, haven't we? And Yeah, it's really good, actually. Yeah, it's um, very professional. It's, it's very true crime, like, you know. It is, it's following um, all of the rules of a true crime yeah, podcast, a, but it's very... The police didn't do a very good job, and... Yeah, you know, it's ticking a lot of boxes, but at the same time, it is very listenable too and completely addictive. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, The only thing that slightly winds me up is the same with every other podcast where it gets to the end and they list the 15 or 20 people involved in making that podcast. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, sound (laughs) engineer Susie or Claire, Um, you know, (laughs) script writing was done by Susie or Claire. Yeah, playing the theme tune singing the theme tune <laughs> making the tea making the tea yeah, yeah. absolutely anyway, so idea. um so we're finishing for a very short break and um we're going to be back in about four weeks time and we have some stunning stories to come back with I'm not just saying that though they, they, we really have um got some really good things lined up but we're always on the hunt for more stories so we thought we might just give a few areas of things that were interesting in case anybody has a story out there or knows somebody who might have a story 
We're particularly looking for family feuds or family secrets. And we'd also like to hear about interesting jobs. I know, Claire, you've got a story coming up about a nurse talking about her job. Yeah. We'd be interested to hear from paramedics, social workers, undertakers, perhaps. Um, any any area of work, you must have some interesting stories, things that have happened to you at work, things that have affected you. We'd love to hear about them. Or, you know, if you have a friend who has an interesting story, then tell them to get in contact or ask if you can get in touch on their behalf. Yeah. And lastly, we've been after a story of a sort of marital breakdown from both sides for quite a while. We haven't achieved it yet. But if, if you, ha- you know, if that's happened to you or and if you both be willing to talk about it or if you're willing to talk about it and have no idea if your partner would be, then um, maybe we could give them a call and ask. So, yeah, do get in touch if you've if you've got that kind of story. So do email hello at the backstory if you have a story. And otherwise, remember to rate, recommend and keep subscribed for our new season later in the month. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye. Bye bye. We are the Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at the Backstory Pod on Twitter. Search for the Backstory with Claire and Susie in your podcast directory. For sponsorship opportunities or if you'd like to take part in a show, please contact hello at thebackstorypodcast.co.uk. The Backstory Podcast is produced by Tin Shared Productions. Mm-hmm.